You know, John, uh, the, uh, the apostle, wrote uh, in the book of 3 John, and he, he, he told them, he's uh, paraphrasing a little bit, he said, I don't, he, he said, nothing gives me more joy than to hear that you guys are walking in the truth. To hear that you're walking in the truth. Well, why would that bring him so much joy? Why was he so fired up about, I mean, John was Mr. Love, right? Yet, I'm fired up. He's about you guys walking in the truth. Probably because there was a whole bunch of lies going on. A bunch of lies being told. And you would hear stories. They would hear stories about people missing it. And, and people believing wrong things, being deceived, walking in, in things that were not true. And so when he heard of them, they were holding fast to the truth. He's, he's like, oh, praise God. Praise God. I mean, I can tell you from, from a, a spiritual leader standpoint, I totally get that. Whenever you see someone who's deceived or someone believing something false, you know, that grieves your heart. You hate that. You don't want the, you don't want the enemy to win in anybody's life. And we know that's his primary strategy, right, is to, is to lie to people. And when you hear of someone believing the truth, holding on to the truth, fighting for the truth, it's like, praise God, they're, gonna co they're coming out. They're coming out. They're going to overcome. They're going to win. They're going to they're gonna be in the right place at the right time because they're, they're holding on to that. And, and I mean, no, it's, it's such a valuable thing to be able to discern, recognize when something's a lie and when something's true. And if you can discern in your life what thoughts that come to you that are lying thoughts designed to discourage, designed to uh, get you to give up, designed to you know, keep you in some sort of bondage or believe, you know, things about others. Those thoughts come to everybody. But those who are, uh, those who are wise, those who are holding fast to the truth, they recognize that. And they say, no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue spoken against me, you know, every word shall come to naught. And I'm going to hold fast to the truth. I've got a word from God. I've got a promise. I've got a scripture. I've got a covenant with him. And I'm just going to go ahead and stay with that and continue to walk in truth. I mean, you know, what's one of the things that'll do is it'll produce a stability in your life. Amen. All right. Your people aren't going to be saying about you someday. Where'd they go? Whatever happened to so-and-so. Right. Why? Because the, the truth is, is, is the anchor for your soul. Keeps you you know, from getting blown around by the storm. The waves come and the waves go and there you are, still floating, <laughs> right? The truth will do that for us. We just keep going back and say, well, what's true? Okay, we can all describe how we feel. We can describe what, you know, isn't, but what's true? What, should, what do we always go back to? Okay, I feel this way, it looks like this, I heard this story, there's this word on the street, there's these thoughts that bombard me, but what's true? What's, right? what's true? What am I going to live based upon? We go back to his word, we go back to what's right. Amen. Amen. That makes all the difference in the world. Praise God. Amen. Well, I read this today on Facebook, so I know it's true. Or I heard this on NBC News, so it must be true. 
How <laughs> I many you know you should place no confidence in that stuff? Right. You don't know that it's true. Sometimes it's in their intentional lies, and sometimes you just, you just personally, if you're really honest with yourself, you don't know. Well, they said this, but you don't know. Right? Because the devil's a liar. So I have to, we have to step back and say, okay, what do I know? What do I know for certain is true? That becomes the foundation of our lives. That guides our decisions. Praise God. It stirs up our hope, our expectation of good things to come. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, God's good. I'm glad I came to church today. Anybody glad you came? <laughs> Man, I tell you, that first hour was one of the best hours I've had all day. <laughs> and longer. <laughs> I tell you what, God is here. I tell you, the angels of God are here, worshiping the Lord with us. The presence of the Lord, so mighty, so wonderful, so precious. Praise God. I want to pray again now. Father, thank you for working in us. Hallelujah. Thank you. Your joy is our strength. Your peace is our guide on the inside. Thank you, Lord, for the foundation of truth in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. We hold fast to it, cling to it. We will never let it go. Thank you, Lord, for working in us today. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, uh, let's, uh, let's turn to a, a, a passage for a moment, um, and that one is Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, this is the the time around when Moses went to meet with God on the mountain. He got the Ten Commandments and the fiasco with the golden calf and all that kind of stuff. That's all what's happening during this time. Verse 7 of 33, Moses took his tent. Remember, they were traveling. Tents are not as good as houses normally. <laughs> He took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Look at those next words. See that? Far from the camp. Far from the camp. Why would you do that? And called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that, who, that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. I find that interesting that if you want to seek the Lord, which is a good thing, you need help, you need direction, you need something from God, you want to pursue Him. He didn't put this in a convenient location. <laughs> you know, like, why not put it in the center of town? That'd be like us saying, you know, we're going to build, build a new place. Say, so where are you going to put it? Well, we're thinking somewhere between here and Mountain Home. You know, maybe south by the river. In other words, <laughs> we're going to make it as inconvenient as possible. Well, obviously we wouldn't do that without the Lord making us do that. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, you would kind of separate who's serious, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know how we like things convenient. I like things convenient. 
if I'm going to go to church, I'd sure like it to be with, you know, within a few miles of where I live. That's kind of convenient. Uh, but Moses didn't put that tent in a convenient location. He put it way out or far from camp. So whoever wanted to seek the Lord, they had to really want to seek the Lord. Amen. Think there's anything to that? Yeah, I think there's something to uh, the fact that someone seeks God and they're not doing it just because, well, I can, I got, I've got an extra half hour here in my schedule and so I'm going to do this. No, I mean, I don't know how far that is out there, but maybe it, maybe it took an hour just to get there. So if you're going to seek the Lord, you're really going to go. You're really going to have to set aside some time and some energy and effort. And when you're out there, you're probably going to get something from God, right? Uh, anyway, I mean, obviously, we, we can see the contrast sometimes in our own lives that, uh, you know, if anything's inconvenient, if it's out of our schedule, if, it's, it's, if it puts us out, well, I'll get there another time. I'll do that later. I'll catch the next one. I'll just watch it online, right? You know how people do that nowadays? I mean, not you guys, but... Unless you're like truly traveling or something like that. But, you know, people do that nowadays across the country. Uh, I'm thankful. I don't know how much it happens at our church, but I just know, you know, our church is, is bigger now than before people started doing that. But I know I have close friends that their church is 60% of what it was, you know, in two years ago about. It's like, where'd all your people go? I don't know. Some of them are just watching online in their pajamas, eating, eating food, yelling at the kids in the middle of the message, you know, say, Is it, isn't that better than nothing? Well, not if, not, not, if it, not if they can do more, which most of the time they can. Not if it's like, I don't want to put any effort into seeking God, I'll just do it in my way and my time and my schedule. You know how people can do that now. You know, it might seem like I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm just saying what's on my heart to say. Okay. You know, I can, you know, there's so many good preachers out there you can watch on YouTube and, and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, well, I can, I'll just do that. And, and, but what about, what about effort? Is there any value to putting any effort into seeking God? Is there any value to being inconvenienced with the service that goes overtime? I'm not saying every service is supposed to do that, but I'm just asking, is there any value to, to one that will put your flesh out a little bit? Any value to missing a meal? Yeah. What's the value? Your flesh screams. And your spirit says, yeah, I'm the boss. Right? There's value in that. I think there was value in Moses putting this place out of town. So he goes out there to the tent. He's with the Lord. And whoever comes out there, they really want to be there. That's good. Amen. Amen. It's kind of been my philosophy for a lot of years. You know, again, you know, right or wrong, but with this service. How I, decide, I decided a long time ago, I don't want to push on Sundays. You know, when we have fill the place up, or two and a half times we fill it up. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to push 
people to come on Wednesday. I just want to tell them about it. That way, whoever comes, they want to be there. I don't mean I don't want more. I do. I want every seat filled every time we meet. You know how that goes. And I think people should come and like it. But (laughs) nevertheless, we have this thing going for us. We could could stand up together and worship the Lord for an hour, however long we did, for an hour and 10 minutes or something like that. And it's glorious. Not everyone who comes to church these days or goes to any church these days will do that. And not every service is supposed to do that, understand. But not everyone would be willing to do that. And if you get too many people messing with us, you mess up our service. (laughs) But when there's a want to, there's something about God that he values the fact that you want to. You know, didn't he kind of create everything that way? Us, human beings, he gave us a choice. Gave Adam and Eve a choice. Why'd you do that? Well, when they want to, that means something. When you choose God, that's why he doesn't force people into salvation. Force people into heaven. Well, when you choose to, when you want to, the Father is seeking such who will worship him. Praise God. Anyway, they did this. Moses did this outside the camp. And it's called it the tabernacle of meeting. Let's see, where were we? Verse 8, so it was... Uh, Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, each man stood at, at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Pretty cool sight. This is, you know, what some estimate maybe three million people in the, in the crowd, in the camp, and, uh, and the glory of God is showing up in a physical manifestation. Moses goes in to meet with God. Here comes this cloud shaped as a pillar. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. This is Old Covenant. <laughs> this is before Jesus. And they, they'd watch this. Verse 10, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the, door, at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. They'd see the glory of God manifest and they'd start worshipping God. Isn't that awesome? Same group that forgot about this a little bit later when they got thirsty. Anyway, for the meantime, they're enjoying it. It's just like, I don't know if you could sense the presence of God in a in a real tangible way, or maybe you saw a cloud, or, or, or maybe you had greater experience, but at minimum you sensed the presence of God in the service tonight. If you could acknowledge that, even if you could tell yourself, yeah, that was real, that, I really perceive, I, I, I recognize that God is here, moving in your life, because it's important that you remember times, even high points, because later you, it's easy to forget about it when you get thirsty when you get hungry, when something else goes wrong and people start questioning the presence of God. Oh, all of a sudden, I've got this mountain now. It's hard. I got this problem. Oh, it's hard. Well, remember, it was like a minute ago. It was glorious. God hasn't changed. Remember his presence. Verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, son of a nun, 
a young man. No, his dad was named Nun. I know. A young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Now, you remember who, you know who Joshua is. He's the same one who later fought the battle of Jericho. Right? And the walls came and tumbling down. And uh, Joshua, but he's a young man here. What is he doing? Well, he's helping Moses. He's Moses' helper. And, and Moses would leave and say, okay, I'm done being in the presence of the Lord for now. And Joshua would stick around. Moses would leave and Joshua would say, I'm staying. He stayed way after church a lot. What, what, what was he doing? Well, presence of God is there. Why would you leave? <laughs> That's probably his thought. And you can see what kind of person he became. Okay? Young men, young women, <laughs> be the kind who stays. What do you mean who stays? Stays in the presence. When God is moving, don't run away from that. Say, I'm going to get as much of this as I can. I'm going to soak this up. Because one day you'll, you might take Jericho. <laughs> that might be preparation for one day for you to do something great in God. You'll have the confidence when all the 12 spies are coming back, you know, saying, we can't do it. The giants are in the land. They're going to clean our clocks and take us out. You and Caleb are going to rise up and say, yes, we can do it. We can take this place. Why? Why are you like that? Why do you? Because you spent time with God and you're more conscious of him. You're not comparing yourself to the giants. You're comparing the giants to God. And now they look like ants. And I tell you, that's one of the things being in the presence of God will do for us. It's why we, we want to go regularly. Amen. I'm talking about come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm talking about entering in. I'm talking about where, why. The more we do that, the more of a greater uh, concept and comprehension we have of the magnitude and awesomeness of God's mighty power. Yeah. In comparison, everything else is peanuts. It's when we don't do that very much. It's when we're not in the Word. We don't take time in the presence that we get attacked with some kind of problem and it seems like a monstrosity. Ha, how can I deal with this? Ah, and that's the kind of person who makes exceptions to all these positive messages. That's the kind of person who wants to take issue with someone giving them a, 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 a message of hope, of of. Uh, Victory of overcoming, of blessing. They want, they're, the kind of, they're the kind of person who wants to say, well, we need to be balanced and, you know, have a little suffering with our blessing. You know, have a little unbelief with our faith. <laughs> Got to be balanced here. And you, if all you talk about is blessing, we need to talk, you need to talk about repentance too. Well, how often? You only need to talk about repentance if you're going the wrong way. Once you're going the wrong way, you don't have to repent every day. <laughs> Haven't you repented yet today? Well, why? I'm walking with God. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm just saying, this, this, this kind of atmosphere, the one we're designed for, the one we're created for, the being in the presence of God is what sets us up to win in, in life. It, it, it enables us to overcome and see things from a God perspective. Okay, I've said this many times, but bears, bears uh, uh, it's worthy of saying again, <laughs> bears repeating. Thank you for that. <sighs> uh, <laughs> when you magnify the Lord, he doesn't get any bigger. 
because he's God. God doesn't get bigger or smaller. He doesn't improve. He doesn't learn. <laughs> he never becomes more or less because he's the all in all and he's constantly that way. It's the very nature of being God. But when I magnify the Lord, it's like me looking through a magnifying glass. Right? He becomes bigger to me. He looks bigger to me. Now what's reality? Again, he's not changing size, but he's, he's changing size in my own mind, my, in my own faith. And the bigger God can be in you, again, the smaller everything else is. Amen. David, when he, when he uh, you know, battled Goliath, how many know he wasn't looking at big Goliath, little David? Big Goliath, little David. No. Little Goliath compared to big, big God. Compared to him, no chance of a victory. Compared to God, who was working through him, Goliath didn't have a chance. It's like, he's an idiot coming after me. What is he thinking? And of course, he said, I don't come against you with a, what, a, a spear and a sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. Hallelujah. What verse were we in? Thank you. Then Moses uh, said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, your sight show me your way. Is that okay to ask the Lord that? I mean, he kind of is almost saying it in a, he's asking in a, in a command kind of way. Lord, if this is true, if I really found grace in your sight, and could we say that in Christ for sure? Show me your way. That I may know you, that I might find grace in your sight and, and consider that this nation is your people. I like that one too. I like to use that on God. <laughs> you ever do that? Here, here's what I mean. He's saying, he's saying, Lord, this is your idea. These are your people. They're not my people. They're your people. I do that with you. <laughs> TMI? What? <laughs> Both things get hard. I like, I do. I pray this way in, in this regard. Lord, this is your idea. Because I know certain things like the church, the ministry. I know, the, I know even my own life. I mean, he's the one who called me. He called me, you know, peculiar or special. But, <laughs> but you know, that verse over in Peter, you know, you're a holy generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, God's own special people, right? King James says peculiar people. Yeah. So it's like, Lord, I'm your idea. Giddy up. Let's get fixed. Let's get the situation fixed. Lord, this church is your idea. Finance it. Lord, this church is your idea. Move on people to fill the dream team. Lord, this church is your idea. Fill it full of people who are coming to you. Right? Is that okay to pray that way? I mean, I'm not saying it with lots of angst right now, but... I mean it in a, in a serious way, just like Moses said. These are your people. This is your idea. You can do that. Amen. 
Well, I got car problems. It's the Lord's car. <laughs> Say, Lord, I belong to you. Jesus died for me. He shed his blood. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? I belong to you, and this car belongs to me, so that car belongs to you. And if I can't get where I need to get, then you can't get where I need to get. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about saying these things with some kind of pride or rebellion or anything like that. I, I think the Lord appreciates it. When we just take him seriously and say, yeah, this is your idea. I couldn't have come up with this. So make it work. Amen. amen. What verse? Thank you. <laughs> and he said... My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence, presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. That's a good commitment, too. Right? Lord, I'm not doing this without you. If you're, present, if you're not going to go with me, meaning go with him, that's his blessing, his favor upon you. If you're not doing this with me, not going, not doing it. That's an okay uh, prerequisite to put on God. Verse 16, right? For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Man, there's just a whole bunch of messages in here. What's the, what's the big distinction between you and me and someone else in the world who doesn't know the Lord? The presence of God. That it's not just limited to our, you know, morality or our standards we live by. This is divine presence that's on us. It's there when you don't feel it. He is there when you don't perceive him or recognize him. But this is a promise from him. Moses knew it so much that he said, if your presence goes with us, it'll be obvious to all the nations around us that we are different. That there is something unique about what's happening here. Your presence will make them notice. Now in the new covenant, the presence of God is with every believer he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. What's, how are we to interpret that? It should be obvious to onlookers who don't have God in their life that there is something unique and different and powerful about our lives. I can interpret that when Jesus said he would always be with me and he would never leave me or forsake me, I can interpret that to say, okay, good, I'm going to win. I'm going to be protected. I'm going to be helped. I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to be provided for. And your presence is going to enable me to be superhuman. Meaning, beyond human ability, his presence will do for me what I am unable to do for myself. So when you think or you say, God is with me, I'm so thankful the Lord is with me, Think beyond, you know, the Lord is with me. <laughs> Meaning, yeah, oh, he just makes me feel good sometimes. 
Oh, the Lord is with me. It's beyond comfort. And comfort is an amazing thing when you need comfort. Don't get me wrong. Okay? He's more than that. I don't want to limit the scope of what his presence can do for me. And when I, can, when I say, man, we get to spend time in the presence of God, what, what goes off in your, in your mind? Goosebumps? Woo! Now, I'm for those. Is it, you know, you know we're going to, glory to God, get excited a little bit and jump and shout? That, I'm for that, too. All that's good. I, I, just, I just think, if God is God, <laughs> and God is so much God, and it's such a big word that I can't even articulate God in the fullness of the scope of what he is, who he is, and what that means. And then I say this magnificent, awesome, almighty, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing being. He loves me and he's with me. I'm in the presence of, I'm in the presence of God. Wow. So my tires won't go flat. (laughs) My engine won't break down. Right? <laughs> I mean, he's almighty. I, I wonder in what ways do we limit the influence of his divine presence in our lives because we, we think God is here. Or, whoo, God is here. Or some, it's watered down so much that it is totally exists in theory land. God is here. What does that mean? Well, you know, he never leaves us. It just means he's there. I can just take comfort in the fact that he's there. I know, but when he's there, what does he do? (laughs) It'd be like having someone live in your house and they don't help at all. (laughs) They don't contribute to anything good. (laughs) Did that hit home or something? Like, <laughs> but it's like, well, at least they're there. I know, but what good is that? I better move along. I do want to ask though, with God, I mean, if he's there and nothing ever changes, nothing's ever helped, what good is that? It's like, I'm not accessing the greatest gift that I could possibly imagine. He's, he knows everything. He is powerful. And so when I say he's with me or his presence, we sing the presence songs, it ought to light up in us <laughs> a creative mind that says, oh, God, God is here. Oh, things are changing. Praise God. What verse was I in? All right, we got a lot of pages to go. (laughs) Not really. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Think about that now. This is Moses just saying, now he's being polite. 
please. He's saying, show me your glory. Now, if Moses could say that, again, he was friends with God. God spoke to him as a friend face to face. This had a good relationship with God. He was still spiritually dead because he didn't have the blood of Christ. Right? He said, Lord, show me your glory. If he said that, would it be okay for any of us to say things like that? What do you think God thinks about it if you ask him that? Please show me your glory. Do you think he's annoyed with you? How dare you? This glory is for me and maybe Moses. But you have the audacity to ask if you can see his glory? Yes. I think we need to have the audacity to ask the Father sincerely from the depths of our being to show himself to us. Lord, show me your glory. I think if we sincerely seek him and ask him for that, it puts a smile on his face. What? You want to see me? You want to see my glory? I want to show you. And he said, verse 19, I will make my goodness pass before you. That's interesting. Show me your glory. Here we go. I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. It looks like the Lord interpreted glory as goodness. When you see the glory of God, you're not running for the hills. Now, you might get disoriented a little bit. I mean, there's Peter. Remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? And his clothes became shining bright, light, white. And, and Peter and, and James and John and Peter starts speaking up and saying, let's build tabernacles, right? Because Mo- Moses and Elijah showed up and the glory of God was there as a cloud and, and it was the glorious manifest presence of God and, and he was a little bit... Uh, I, I had a sense of that tonight. Now, not completely. I was able to make it up on stage and everything. But we were worshiping God. I, my mind was going there like, I'm a little bit undone. You know how Ezekiel said that. He said, woe is me. <laughs> I'm just a little bit taken apart right now. And I think I was only tapping into a, just a measure of God's glory. And that's why I was like, I don't know what to do. Should I run? Should I laugh? Should I cry? Should I lay on the floor? Should I just... <laughs> I kind of wanted to do all of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm okay with God messing with me that way. <laughs> but he said, I'll make my goodness pass before you. So, so the goodness of God is the glory of God. Remember, Roman, Roman, Paul wrote in Romans, it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. So the glory of God is attractive. The glory of God is appealing. The glory of God draws us close to him. The more, that, that's why this is a good prayer. Please show me your glory. Why, what's the end result of that? I'm going to be drawn to him like a magnet. You see and perceive greater measures of God's glory. You're not, re- you're not quick to go out into the world from there. You're not going out from the glory of God and saying, man, I just need a drink. I need a drag. You're not going out from the glory of God gossiping, complaining, doubting, backsliding. 
in the glory of God, we are drawn close to him. And again, everything else, even the Goliaths of life, seem like little puny wimps. We're in the glory of God. There's nothing too difficult. I tell you, I I believe we need this. Uh, I mentioned earlier about chaotic world, and, you, you know, we could elaborate on that. Everything from, you know, inflation that's happening to wars in other parts of the world and, you know, crazy people making decisions for our country and, and uh, all this stuff, what can it do? Weigh on you, get people to be concerned and even fearful about the uncertain future. I only see one escape. I only see one way to survive and it's not really painful at this point. I don't know if it's gonna get that way, but uh, it, I only see one, one way to survive and, and the way I deal with things in my own thoughts, like. When you start to think, oh, but what about this? And what if this happens? And what if this really goes down like this? I, I have to, I set back, settle back in my own self and say, I'm with the Lord though. I'll just go into the presence of God and I'll be fine. I'll just come before him right now and everything will be fine. And his power will sustain me and his joy will fill me and his peace will guide me. And these things will surround And you can do, and we have to be able to do that. I don't think that's going to let up the closer we get to the end, closer we get to the coming of the Lord. We've got to know how to do that, how to personally go there, right? David called it in Psalm 91, the secret place. You've got to know where to say, where is that? I can't tell you. It wouldn't be secret. (laughs) That verse, that whole chapter would blow up, (laughs) right? You can't reveal a secret. And then what we do with that scripture if it's no longer secret? It's between you and God. So you have to find it. You have to know how to go there. And then you can't even tell someone else where it is. Where have you been? Secret place. Where? Can't tell you. But we have to go there. Well, sometimes we go there together, right? In a group. We have to know how to, how to deal with life. Deal with things. Praise God. There's there's something about the person who wants, they're willing to go out of town, figuratively speaking, go out to seek God. They're going to expend a little effort. They're going to put something into it. There's something about blind Bartimaeus Jesus was coming, you know, by Jericho there, and blind and Bartimaeus was calling out, "Son of David!" He's crying out, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" People were starting to say, "Shut up, Bart!" You know, and then when they tried to calm him down, what did he do? He cried out all the more. It's like you're trying to shut me down. You're trying to keep me away from Jesus. You're trying to keep me away from my answer my help, and he yelled out all the more. And Jesus said, get that guy. I wonder if Jesus is saying, that is, he's thinking, that guy is serious. That guy is not giving up. That guy is going to get what he needs. Whereas someone else, Jesus, if you wouldn't mind, do you have a minute? I understand if you don't. Maybe another time. Don't be that way. 
If it's right, if it's godly, if it's good, go for it. Yell out. Cry out. I made this statement. I was telling someone in the staff today, but I made this statement. I was just explaining the background. Sometimes I make random statements, and there's a deeper meaning behind them that I don't explain. But I made this statement on Sunday, if you were here, about why not just, I was talking about the power of God. Kingdom of God is not in, uh, kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Uh, and uh, I made the statement about if you have a real need from God, you need your body fixed, something of that nature. Why don't you just, from all, with all your heart, just cry out to God and say, I believe in you. Do this for me now. Something of that nature. And just call out to God. The only reason I said that, I actually wondered if someone would. Because I had a dream about it. <laughs> and in my dream, I'm seeing people calling out to God and they couldn't walk and then they could. I don't mean they had someone lay hands on them like me or another minister. No, they're just in the service and they, God becomes real to them. And I, and, and I see people calling out to God and they, and they get an answer for it. Right, right? Just because they had the audacity to, to call out to him. Blind Bartimaeus did it. Came away seeing. Keep it down. No. Amen. Even over in, uh, you know, in James uh, 4, uh, James was getting on those guys about fighting with each other and warring with each other. And, and, and then, he, then he made the statement. You, you, everyone knows this part. He said, he said, you fight and all this stuff and you try to get stuff from, and, you, and you don't get anything because you don't ask for it. You have not because you ask not. And then he gives some instructions even about consuming it upon their flesh and all that kind of stuff. But when I read that whole passage, I, think, I, th- I sit back and I think, you know, God's not trying to keep things away from people. He's not telling them all that so they cannot have. He's telling them all that and even correcting their thinking so that they can have. So they can have it the right way. And I tell you, God's not trying to keep himself or his blessings, or his favor, or his goodness away from any of us. He's not trying to keep us down. He's trying to lift us up. When he says, humble yourself, he's not, it's not because he wants to keep his foot on your neck. When he says, humble, it's because he wants you to go down so he can lift you up. It's always God's design. He's a good, good father. He's the one who wants to enable, empower, and strengthen us. Amen? Praise God. Well, that's all I have to say. (laughs) Praise God. I did take notes. I wrote Exodus 33 (laughs) when I was praying today. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Father, we thank you for, for working in here. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for the grace of God. It's sufficient. You are more than enough. You're a great God. (sighs) The almighty God. The almighty Lord. Awesome in all your ways. Thank you, Lord. You are the truth. You are truth to us. We look to you.